It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk here on News Talk 1400. We're with you until 11 o'clock. Lauren Tate is in the other chair. How are you doing this morning, Coach? Doing good. Got plenty to talk about today with Major League Baseball, Illinois football practice underway. The PGA Golf Tournament is underway in San Francisco. More on that coming up. Josh Whitman, though, Illinois Athletic Director, is our first guest. We're going to spend a a few minutes uh, with Josh. Good morning, Josh. How are you, sir? morning, gentlemen. How are you? We're doing well. I know that uh, things are busy. Before we talk a little bit about some of the things that uh, you discussed earlier this week, I wanted to get uh, a thought or two from you on uh, the passing 10 days or so ago of, of Coach Henson and whether or not uh, some things might be in the works in the future to honor uh, the longtime Illini Hall of Fame basketball coach. Absolutely. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a sad day for all of us. I, I know that uh, Lauren certainly has been part of these text messages over the years. It seems like every six months or so, I'd get a text from someone saying, "Hey, you know, Lou's not doing very well, and you know, this this might be about it." And then the guy was just so strong and so tough, and and he would rally every time. And uh, and then this time, obviously, it um, it didn't happen, and just uh, passing of a an unbelievable person. I felt so privileged to have a chance to be back here these last four and a half years or so and, and get to know him better and spend time with him and his, his wife, Mary, and uh, just uh, just a, a true prince, you know, somebody that I, I think all of us looked up to and never met uh, never met a stranger. He was warm and welcoming to everybody who he, he crossed paths with and certainly was uh, royalty here in Champaign, and I know we'll all miss him greatly, and, and certainly the athletic program will look for, I'm sure, several different ways to, to honor him as we head into the new year. When you were here as an athlete, and then later um, working uh, on the staff, did you get a chance to, to to interact with him much at all? Not much until I came back in this role. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he was he was already gone um, by the time I was here as a student, and uh, of course, you know, when he was in good health, they were going back and forth to New Mexico a lot, and so uh, I think I I had met him previously, but had never really had a chance to spend any significant time with him, and uh, really. Did enjoy that uh, a lot these last few years, and uh, like I said, just uh, just a really special guy, and felt very fortunate that uh, I had a chance to know him. And, and I think that was one of the, the great things about him was whether you spent thirty seconds or thirty years with him, uh, you, you felt like he, he was you know you he was going to make you important, and and he he was always uh, very genuine and, and interested in, in who you were. And of course, being who he was, he he met people all day long every day everybody wanted to have a chance to, to visit with coach Henson and uh, and so he he was uh, just unbelievably warm to, to each and every person he met 
Talking to Josh Whitman, let's turn to football. I was driving down uh, by the stadium yesterday, and it was good to see some some players over there. I know you've been out to a couple of days of the workouts, and uh, I don't know if this is the new normal or what the new normal is going to be, but it felt at least <laughs> momentarily like, hey, this is what's supposed to be happening this time of year. There was a little breath of normal there. Yeah, it was. Uh, I hadn't felt that uplifted in my spirits in a long time. Uh, just to to be on the field, and uh, you know, if you look really carefully, there's still a lot of things that are different. Guys have got the gaiters around their neck, and they've got the, the plastic face shields on their on their um, uh, cages, on their helmets, and everybody's got a mask on. You got what you know, the offense or the defense on the grass field. You got the other group on the on the stadium turf, and so it's it's still different, um, but it, if you can look past all that, it's kind of the same, and it's nice to nice to see people out there doing the thing they love. Uh, it's great to hear the energy on the field and to watch the players interacting with the coaches. And um, it was uh, it, it, there's a lot that has gone into getting us to that point, and um, you know we'll just continue to try and make good decisions every day and monitor the situation and see how this next uh, several weeks goes for us. Josh, this is Lauren. Uh, I, I was kind of surprised to see that you're going to be testing seven days a week, I believe five sal- saliva tests and, and, uh, and the two other on, on the weekends. Is anybody else in the Big Ten going to that extent, to your knowledge? Not to my knowledge, but I certainly don't pretend to know what every school is doing. We, we do go around and, and share uh, at different points in time, but everybody is evolving uh, and so I, I don't know what the latest is. I, I do know that uh, as a university, we feel really good about the, the testing plan that we've been able to develop uh, to have the, the tests that we have here, to have the lab that uh, is analyzing those tests at our vet school, um, to be in a position now to, to administer tests to thousands of people daily, uh, to get the results on those tests back in, in a matter of hours. That's something that, uh, I, from my understanding, really, that's the University of Illinois part uh, from our counterparts across the country. And uh, as we started to work through our protocols, it just made great sense for us to try and take full advantage uh, of that uh, resource. And and, I've been really fortunate to be a part of this university. I I said this on the call the other day. um, It's been really breathtaking to watch the, the full power of this university apply itself to a challenge like COVID-19 and you always hear about the innovation and the creativity and the, uh, the, the, the brain power that comes out of this place, the research. Um, and then, but it, it's always kind of in the abstract and, and now here to see all that marshaled towards one common cause and to see how we've been able to uh, develop these tests and, and put this protocol in place for um, for our entire campus has been pretty 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 remarkable. Josh, uh, you, you play your first road game at Nebraska. What do you know about their protocols and uh, um, how many fans are they going to have there? What, what do you know about that trip so far? How are you going to go? By the way, how are you going to travel? Uh, we'll fly there. I, I don't know much about their protocols um, or their stadium environment. Uh, you know, we've been so focused on on our protocols and our stadium environment that we haven't had a lot of time to uh, to compare notes with some of the other schools on those things. So, but I, I do know that by the time we get into the competition schedule, at that point, everybody will be uh, utilizing the same protocol, which the, the Big Ten circulated the first draft of this week. 
There will be centralized testing uh, done through a third-party service that will be contracted with the Big Ten. Um, those tests will be um, administered through that service. Uh, I think it will be twice a week at, at, at least. It will be a PCR-style test, a swab test, uh, at least at the beginning of the season. And so uh, from a competitive standpoint, every school, and that's that was really one of the, the thoughts behind going to the conference-only concept was – um, making sure that when we step foot on that field, we know that our student-athletes have been through the same testing protocol as their student-athletes and that it's being administered by by a third-party group. So it uh, gives everybody confidence when we go out there that um, the field is, is, as we've been saying on some of our calls, we've got a clean field. I'm sure you're aware of this uh, unity, uh, I don't want to call them demands or requests in the Big Ten by uh, a number of athletes, maybe some from the University of Illinois, I'm not sure. I, I guess there's are, are Illinois athletes. Uh, have you have any response to that, or do you know where that's headed? Uh, we don't. I know that our, our conference staff, led by our, our commissioner, Kevin Warren, has been in contact with some of the leadership of that group. Um, you know, one of the challenges with that group is it, it hasn't really identified itself, and so we don't know exactly who uh, comprises its membership or who uh, is a part of that effort. Um, you know, we certainly here on our campus have worked very hard to create an open door policy with our student athletes. We encourage them to communicate with their coaches, with our administration, with me, uh, if they have concerns or thoughts. And so, you know, I haven't been approached by, by any of our student athletes um, in the vein of the things that were expressed by that group. Um, and I, I hope that uh, if any of our student athletes do have those concerns or thoughts, that they would uh, that they'd feel comfortable bringing them to me. Visiting with Josh Whitman, Jason Hegemeyer is going to join us at the uh, top of the hour. If you have any uh, questions regarding tickets, that would be the time to uh, give us a call coming up beginning hour number two of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Josh, you kind of mentioned that the, we're in a position now where you called it College Athletics 2.0 and kind of at a crossroads in the history of collegiate athletics. Explain your thoughts on that and what do you mean by that? It just seems like we're at, at the confluence of a lot of different events in, in our history, and, and, and any one of them by itself would be would be very notable. And, and then you layer all of them on top of each other, and, and it really gets complicated in a hurry, and it, and it really, I think, um, has the potential to, to change the direction and the look and feel of college athletics in a pretty notable way for a long time. And, and some of those things would be, um, as you look across the landscape, of course, the, the ongoing conversation around name, image, likeness, um, some of the related discussions around student-athlete compensation and the, the Alston case, uh, which was uh, decided out in, in a district court in California and has now been up through the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Uh, you've got issues around transfer and immediate eligibility upon transfer. Um, you've got different factors in terms of how people are consuming sports. Uh, there seems to be some trends around uh, attendance at, at live events, and certainly people uh, purchasing the bundle on television, consuming things on their phone or digitally in other formats. Social media is changing the world. Uh, you, you can con continue to layer on top of that. Certainly more recently, some of the social justice issues and, and uh, obviously COVID-19 and some of the financial pressures that, that that's creating on the system. 
um, you know, put all that together and, um, you know, that, that's a bunch of stuff. And, and any, like I said, any one of those uh, would really tug at the fabric of college athletics, but you put all of them together and, and uh, the, the tension can get pretty, pretty rigid, pretty fast. And so, uh, you know, we're going to continue to work through it. And as I said on the call the other day, I, uh, it, it's certainly a challenge, but I feel very fortunate to, to be at a place like Illinois, to be in a conference like the Big Ten, uh, because I, I believe we've got a, a good voice, a powerful voice, uh, and we can contribute not only to uh, making sure that our experience here at Illinois is where we want it to be, but that um, that the experience overall for our athletes, both in our conference and across the country, um, matches what it should be, and that uh, the, the landscape of college athletics continues to get massaged and shaped appropriately as we as we look to the future. Well, the much-anticipated uh, Big Ten schedule was released this week, and uh, you kind of got the uh, bookend uh, of tough games with Ohio State, which is number two in the preseason poll at the beginning of the uh, schedule, and number nine, Penn State at the end. Hopefully we make it to the end, but certainly you've got the center stage of college football in that Thursday night, September 3rd game against uh, the Buckeyes, bringing them to town. Uh, talk a little bit about that. And it's too bad that we don't have a normal atmosphere where, where the tailgating would be going crazy and the, the crowd would be sold out and all that. But uh, we kind of have to deal with what we can. But uh, certainly a marquee game on the early schedule. It is a marquee game, and, and I know our guys are excited to play in it. It's the kind of game that you come to a place like Illinois to, to have a chance to play in. Um, you know, obviously we're focused here these next several weeks on just getting to that game. I think we've got to, again, continue to put one foot in front of the next and make sure that we're listening to our, our health and medical professionals and making good decisions about uh, the safety of our students. But assuming that we can navigate all that and, and get ourselves to September 3rd, I, I think that has a chance to be an unbelievable opener uh, for us. And I, it, as you said, it's a uh, Ohio State's program doesn't need a lot of introduction. They they have earned the right uh, to have that number two ranking. Uh, I have a lot of respect for the way that they've they've done their business over the years, and uh, we all know that uh, here recently they they have really put themselves almost in a class by themselves across the country and and within our conference. And so it's a great chance uh, for our guys, whether they're first-year guys or last-year guys to, to go out and, and get this thing started in a, in a strong way. Uh, like you said, we'd love to have 70,000 people in the stands and, and 70,000 more out in the parking lots. That's not uh, not in the cards for us this year. But we also have to remember if if, uh, if this were a normal time, we wouldn't be opening with Ohio State on a Thursday night either. So um, things have, have changed on, on every front. Um, but uh, I know that our guys will do the work here over the coming weeks, and, and they'll be ready to go. And uh, if we ever had a team that was, I think, equipped to to deal with some of the uncertainty and disruption that the summer has brought, uh, and head into a big game like that right out of the box, I, I think it's this team. And uh, really looking forward to watching them play. Josh, heaven forbid you put me in charge of Big Ten scheduling, but it disturbs me greatly that Illinois and Iowa play both Ohio State and Penn State, very difficult games, top 10 teams, and Wisconsin and Minnesota, two of the favorites in the West Division, don't play either Ohio State or Penn State. There's something wrong with the scheduling when that when things like that happen. Why don't you just have the, the Western Division standings 
made up of games played in the Western Division, and then the winner play the team from the that wins the Eastern Division. Why? Why these crossover games make it completely in, unbalanced? It's a fair point, Lauren, and, and we actually spent a fair bit of time uh, during these last few months as we, as we debated the schedule and, and some of the principles we wanted to see incorporated into the schedule, uh, talking about the best way to handle divisional standings and, and what did it make sense for it to be divisional games? Did it make sense for it to continue to be all games? Um, and, uh, you know, we, we landed to keep it where it has been, which has been all games. Um, but, you know, I, I think you raised some good points. And, and um, you know, the, the schedules largely, again, the nine of those ten games were the, the nine games we were originally scheduled to play. Uh, and so it really was just that tenth game that um, that changed for any of us. Um, but uh, it's 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 a tough, you know, the Big Ten's a tough league, and, and every game's hard. And I, I know that's one of the things that our fans love about it, something I love about it. It's something that our players uh, really enjoy about it. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we've got to continue to look at that. It'll be, it'll be, one thing I'll be really curious to watch is what the long-term implications of this scheduling format will be. You know, will, will college football come out of this thinking, boy, that was kind of cool? And, and will there be mm-hmm. an inclination or a movement to start playing more conference games on, on a regular basis, or will we all go back to, to what we had done traditionally? I'm, I'm not sure. I, I'm not trying to foreshadow any, any based on any conversations I've had. I'll just be curious to see how, how people react to this, how our, our players and coaches react, and if there might be an appetite to see it uh, continue on some level going forward. Well, you knew I'd get around to, to money, <laughs> and I saw you mentioned the $20 million. You don't say, <laughs> But the, you mentioned $20 million yesterday and as the amount that uh, probably the deficits that you foresee. I think that's fair. To, that's what you said. And uh, is that based on a best-case scenario, actually? I mean, you're, you, are you bound to lose $20 million this year? Uh, well, that, that, that's going to be the reduction in revenue. Uh, and so we, we haven't, you know, we, we're obviously we're trying to offset that with, as I talked about, some fairly aggressive cost savings measures as well. So it's, uh, it's not, it's not the net loss necessarily. It is, it is the, the reduction in revenue that we're anticipating. Um, but that's, that's as, as of today. And I tried to make that clear on the call the other day that, uh, you know, based on 10 football games, based on five home games instead of seven, um, based on um, a, a, some level of basketball schedule, based on um, some nominal changes to our television distributions, um, you know, that's, that's the number we're, we're projecting. If, uh, if we don't play 10 football games, if we only play six, if we only play four, if, God forbid we don't play any, um, if we don't play any basketball, you know, obviously that's going to have um, big implications for that number. And, uh, and so we're, it's, it's unlike any other year, you know, we can sit here and speculate the best we want to about what, what the, it's going to look like at the end of the year. But until we see this thing play out, it, it really isn't, is nothing more than speculation. Um, we don't know what the, the impact of reduced numbers of games will be on our media rights. And obviously that's a, a major component of all of our big 10 schools budgets at this point. And, um, you know, we've reduced the inventory in football from 96 games on television to 70 games. And so, you know, that's going to have obviously a, a meaningful 
uh, impact on on our partners. But in, in part of it is we're we're placing one of those non-conference games with a with a pretty good conference game, uh, and so you're you're you take some games back, but you give some quality back on the other side. And so there's there's lots of ways you can try and tweak things to try and create value um, for your partners on that front. Um, so it's just it's just a, a, a completely moving target at this point. We know the fluidity of it is a challenge um, for a, a lot of different reasons and a lot of different people. And we just have to kind of accept that right now and, and continue to make the best decisions we can fiscally until we get some some clarity on how this thing will ultimately look. Another few minutes with Josh Whitman. You know, one of the catchphrases over the last few years has kind of been at the end of the day. Maybe we have a new one. Maybe you just mentioned it as as of today might be a better way to look at it. And you talked about just getting to September 3rd. How do you balance that with looking down the road? You have to look down the road. You have to know the basketball is coming and everything else. Uh, how do you balance that uh, situation? We've got a lot of experience doing that these <laughs> last four months. It, you know, that's really what we've done every day is, is you're walking these parallel paths. You're putting a plan together to compete and play, and you're starting to work on plans. If, if you have some level of disruption, and you either can't play as much or you can't play at all. And, and so it's, you know, there's been a lot of time and energy spent on things that will never see the light of day because one contingency or another becomes unnecessary. Um, but you know that you can't be caught flat-footed if if one thing develops over another. And so, um, you know, that's just been kind of the the order of the day here for the last four and a half now, almost five months. And uh, and I, I don't think see, don't really see that changing. I think that we just have to continue to 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 work on variable plans and. Uh, know that some of those plans won't be needed, um, but uh, you know we're we're always going to um, you know plan for the for the worst, and then hopefully be surprised when it's better. And and um, you know that's uh, generally been our mindset. And, and, and I, as I said the other day, it's uh, our our group has been remarkable. When I talk about our our student athletes and our coaches and our staff and university administration and the Big Ten conference leadership and the, and the ads and our fans and our Ticket holders and everybody has just been so patient and so understanding. Um, and, and that's, you know, a year ago, some of these things that we're going through right now just would have been completely unthinkable. The idea that soccer has been practicing for almost a week and doesn't even have a schedule yet, you know, that, that football is, is heading into the third day of practice and, uh, and you know, we're going to open up on September 3rd and we didn't get the schedule until August 5th. I mean, these are things that last year – would have just been mind blowing, and and today they just feel sort of normal, uh, and so it, it's really been um, a, a real testament, I think, to to people's flexibility and and their um, uh, their understanding of the situation we're in that that we've all been able to adjust to this new environment and and really recalibrate uh, what we what our expectations are as we as we move through it together. And it's really affecting. Um people and teams and programs at all levels. We're getting word this morning that the Mid-American Conference, as you know, the the MAC plays a lot of games against Big Ten uh, competition in normal seasons. They have decided to cancel their fall football season because of COVID. So uh, it has that trickle-down effect. I know you're not happy to hear that. No, I'm, I'm not. And, but I also can't second-guess it. I, I think everybody has to 
make their own best decisions in this environment. It's no different than what we've asked our student athletes to do. We've given them tools. We've given them information. We've uh, removed the financial component of their decision and, and encourage them to make the call that they feel is most appropriate for them in this moment. And uh, I think each school, each conference has to continue to do that as well. And we're all being guided uh, by medical decisions. We all have presidents and chancellors who are involved in these conversations. Uh, our campuses are in, in different locations. Uh, they're in, uh, on a different size uh, enrollments, different, uh, different levels of resources. So there's, there's a lot of different factors that weigh into these things. And, um, you hate to see those decisions being made, but uh, but you also, in this environment, completely understand them, and uh, you know we'll always support our colleagues. Josh, with all the the cuts that are, are necessary right now, are you going are able to go forward on the already partially completed soccer and track uh, enterprises? And also, uh, where do you stand with Ubbin? And uh, are you uh, what about your initial investment in Stone Creek? Yeah, th- those are all things that um, you know we're working through sequentially. Certainly, Demersion Park with soccer and track and field is uh, substantially complete. You know, we don't have it finished yet by any stretch, but uh, it's much more close to being finished than it is to, to being started. So that that will finish. Uh, we anticipate that will finish sometime this fall. Um, we're going out to bid here in the next um, week or two on on our softball and baseball projects. Those are also pretty far down the tracks at this point when being funded almost exclusively by donor resources. And so expect those projects will continue. Um, you know, Atkins Golf Club, incredibly excited by that gift from the from the Atkins family. Uh, we're in the process now of trying to identify what funding we may have available to, to make some needed investments in that. Uh, again, all these projects, the thing that I, I think most people don't realize is that um, a lot of these donor dollars are not uh, discretionary dollars. They're not given to me to just do with what we want. They're, they're given to specific projects. And so um, as we work through some of these financial challenges, it, it's not as simple as me taking a million dollars from this, this uh, golf project and reallocating it into a, a salary pool, for example. I, I just don't have that autonomy. And the donors have given these dollars for specific things. And those are the things they have to support. Um, and so we're, we're in the process now, and we've been very successful and, and incredibly humbled by the, uh, the generosity of our donors. We've, we've had some record numbers here in recent years, and you know, they continue to step up in, in tremendously generous ways. Uh, and so that, that's really, if we are able to move these projects forward, that's why it will happen. It's not because we're uh, putting those above other departmental needs. It's because that's um, that's what those dollars have been earmarked for. Um, in terms of oven, uh, same, you know, we're, we're in the design phase there right now. Uh, we've, we've been successful on the fundraising path there. We do have some more money to go. I think before we'll, uh, hit the, the green light and, and start any construction there, we're going to need to make sure we get some more dollars in the door uh, and our staff and, and I are working hard on that. Um, but our hope is that we can, can keep that on schedule and, and keep it moving forward. I guess, um, but uh, again, everything is everything's a little bit, a uh, little bit in flux as we as we try and again navigate this this entire environment. Yeah, I, I think the question that comes up to mind is the fact. Let's say you have a, uh, let's say oven, uh, for example. Let's say somebody gave you, let's say that it is going to cost you thirty million, and somebody gives you fifteen million. You still have fifteen million to come up with, which would be very difficult 
without donations in this environment. What do you do in that situation? Can you actually start something when you don't have the full amount? Well, that's what we've got to figure out, Lauren. It's a great question, um, and that's what we that's what we do all day long is evaluate those situations and uh, see what our what our uh, financial statements look like, how many donated dollars we have, uh, how many other dollars it may require, and uh, you know what we what we try not to do is if, if we've got fifteen or twenty million dollars raised, um, we prefer not to give them back, uh, and so I think you can probably appreciate that. And so we've got to we got to try and figure out how to bridge those gaps where they exist. Um, but we also have to, as you would imagine, we've got an obligation to the university to be responsible fiscally. And, and so we're never going to put the athletic program at risk with those decisions. Uh, our preference in, in response to your direct question is to go out and raise all of it. And, and so like in Ubbins case, for example, that's been our directive to our fundraising staff from the beginning when we first started talking about that project was that we intended to go out and fundraise the entire cost of the project. Um, and that's still our goal and uh, what we're working toward. Josh, you've been uh, generous with your time this morning. We appreciate it. Anything you'd like to add? No, just, uh, again, always appreciate you having me on. Hope you, you're both doing well and staying healthy and uh, look forward to better times when hopefully we can, can be together again and maybe be watching a few orange and blue sports. That would be, uh, that'd be pretty exciting. Josh Whitman, everybody. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Talk you to bet. you soon. It is 9.30, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. We're off and rolling on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We've got an open line segment after this uh, timeout until 10 o'clock, and the lines will be open after that as well. But Jason Hegemeyer, the ticket manager, will join us to talk more about uh, that first game and the games to be played at Memorial Stadium. So feel free to join us. 356-9397 is the number. Lauren Tate, Steve Kelly, back after this. Nine thirty-four, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. This is Lion Ipella Saturday Sports Talk. Lauren Tate, Steve Kelly, with you until eleven. Thanks to Josh Whitman for spending almost thirty minutes with us. Phone line is open now: three five six nine three nine seven. Coming up at the top of the hour. Associate Athletic Director Jason Hegemeyer will be in. And if you have any questions regarding tickets for the Ohio State game or other games scheduled to be played at Memorial Stadium, that would be the time to call. Or you could call us now and uh, talk about anything you want, 356-9397. At 10.30, Tom Ackerman from KMOX in St. Louis will join us. We were hoping for some baseball activity in St. Louis Maybe the best rivalry in baseball. We're a little bit biased, but certainly one of the best rivalries in baseball. The Cubs and the Cardinals was scheduled to be played at Bush Stadium, and that has gone bye-bye, and maybe the Cardinal season has gone bye-bye, Mr. Tate. Well, it looks to me like they, if they do play again, it'll be pretty pointless on their behalf anyway. Although I will remind you, they're, in, they're even with the Cubs in the loss column. <laughs> <laughs> the Cardinals are two and three, and the Cubs are what, ten or eleven? Ten and, and three, three, yeah, maybe eleven and three. So uh, the Cubs look really good to me. I, they, you know, this is a really good. This is the same team they've had for the same nucleus they've had for a number of years, and they're getting they're getting good pitching right now, and that's a team to be reckoned with. But the Cardinals, you know, it looks like uh, at least for the next couple of weeks, DeYoung and and uh, Molina are both out. Martinez, Carlos Martinez is out. 
So those are the key losses as far as the, the virus is concerned. And, and, you know, when you get this many games behind, they're going to be 10 games out, and they're going to have, you know, 50 games, what, 48 games to play, 48 days to play, and they'll have about 55 games to play. Well, going into this season, yeah, going into this season, or this series, rather, they had 52 days to play 55 games. Right. So add three more onto that and fewer days. Yeah. <laughs> so that's going to be tough. And you mentioned DeYoung and Molina, uh, the key losses. That's as of this moment. Yeah. And who knows what's going to happen once that gets started. And, yeah, I, I don't know. It's and. Uh, well, I hope baseball can go ahead and play in spite of what's happened with the Cardinals. They, you know, there's no reason. I shouldn't say no reason, but it's not It's not going to be a, a – it, how many teams are not going to be able to play a full 60-game schedule? I would think there'd be several. The teams that the Cardinals aren't playing have, have a lot of games to make up in addition to what the Cardinals face. John Moselak, the uh, president of the Cardinals, vice president, whatever his title is, but uh, – he was pretty despondent last night in a Zoom call, as you might guess. He says the future, he just has no idea yeah. what's going to happen. And we'll talk more about that with Tom Ackerman coming up in just about an hour here on the show. If you have any comments on baseball, feel free to give us a call, 356-9397. Cubs are 10-3. and three. You like the way they look. The White Sox are showing some improvement uh, on the south side of Chicago. Uh, Oakland playing well like out west. Teams. I like the Cubs and the White Sox. Yep. They're good ball clubs. Colorado looks pretty good in the in the early going too. I haven't watched. I'll be honest with you. I haven't watched much baseball. I'm I'm kind of a, I watch the Cardinals and that's pretty much it. I've looked in on a few of the other games, but not a whole lot. Yeah, I'm the same way, and in the same way with basketball. NBA's having a lot of games. They're having so many games, it's hard to keep up with them. It looks like the Lakers aren't playing very well right now, but. They're in the playoffs, and they've got the the seed all set, so they'll be fine. I mean, I I don't know if they'll be fine, but they'll they'll be ready to go when the when the games count. Some other uh, news we mentioned uh, with Josh, in case you missed it, the Mid American Conference uh, did to put uh, a hold on the uh, season. They're holding a press conference today at ten thirty our time, I believe it is. So um, maybe they'll say more about that. But it looks like. The MAC, which includes NIU and yeah. Miami of Ohio and Ohio University, Western Michigan, some of those teams. This is a killer for Northern Illinois and some of those teams in the MAC to, to miss the fall season. I mean, say what you wanted, that really hurts. I mean, they can push it to the spring, and who knows what the spring's going to be. And the protocols aren't going to be much different, are they, Steve? I mean, you're still going to have to pay an awful lot of money for, for tests. And I, I read a uh, uh, day before yesterday that Northern just basically couldn't afford it. So... I don't know. And out in uh, Fort Collins, Colorado, Colorado State has paused its football yep. operations because of racism and verbal abuse charges. So they've just stopped practice. Yeah, they've got some coaching problems there. They apparently do. And the pack. Levy was uh, has, has has had two press conferences, the last two zooms, the last couple of days, mm-hmm. and we're learning a little bit about the football team and. Uh, you know, I, I'd say that the disappointing things that I've learned is that Marquez Beeson is not practicing every day. He's a tremendous qu- uh, cornerback, defensive back, who uh, was injured last season as a freshman. He was our, you know, arguably our best player coming in and uh, hasn't been able to play and isn't 100% yet. Uh, 
We'll learn a little bit more about the running backs and Epstein and, and the freshman Love, who uh, I you know have had injuries and and you worry about that particularly at a running back because they're going to take a lot of they're going to take a lot of hits. Um, I went down the um, the list this morning just to see you know get some ideas about the team and I looked at that the linemen they've got fourteen I counted fourteen there may be more I'm not a perfect counter. <laughs> But there, I counted 14. I saw 14 players weighing 300 or more. Uh, Green at, at one guard is 315. Palshevsky at one tackle is 310. Uh, Lowe is 320. I, I'm, my point, I guess, is this. If You can debate this point with me, Steve. You, you know about Ohio State. If Illinois was going to pick a time to try to defeat Ohio State, which is they're a big underdog, I understand. Isn't the first game the best opportunity when you got as many players returning and consider that Ohio State has lost well over half its starting lineup to the NFL? They have to put new people in. Those new people are outstanding players, but they have some of them haven't played very much or you know they're they're coming off the second team from last year. So I'm I'm just saying I'm not saying that Illinois is going to beat Ohio State. I'm saying that if you're going to pick a time to play them, is the first game maybe the best opportunity because because this team has got twenty some seniors and these guys are bigger and stronger. They really are bigger and stronger. Love is, uh, I mean, Gay is up to uh, two hundred and forty pounds now. Remember when he was two ten playing defensive end? Well, he's a, that's a different player. Uh, Carney's up two sixty. I mean, some of these guys have gotten stronger over time and and they are veterans and they are seniors, and so. Uh, that's the case I would make that, that this is the best time to play them. I can't argue with that. I think I think you're absolutely right. And yet, Ohio State, despite all that, is still ranked number two in the country. And, oh yeah. And you know, they maybe they think they're going to waltz into town and waltz out with a victory. So that's another reason maybe play them early, get it over with, and see where you stand. Uh, and I can't can't argue with that at all. Speaking of Ohio State, though, you see what uh, Jim Harbaugh did on the. On the coach's conference call, he called no. out. He called out uh, their coach, Coach Day. This is a coaches only. There's no media on this call. Okay. And accused him of having coaches at workouts. Coaches? Oh, he he had some some inside <laughs> word where yeah. Ohio State was sneaking the coaches into the, to watch the workout. And I'm not sure that uh, that's anything other coaches are really worried about. But Harbaugh called him out on that, and well, that will endear him today. Exactly, and. Uh, <laughs> And uh, Coach Day said, uh, why don't you just take care of your team and I'll take care of mine. (laughs) Then he allegedly, reportedly said to his team, why don't we just hang 100 on them this year? (laughs) Tuff Borland, who is a linebacker for Ohio State and a former Illini All-Stater, Illinois All-Stater, excuse me, not Illini, uh, made a statement in behalf of the Ohio State team this week. and, And he basically said, we believe that Ohio State is doing everything possible to make this, you know, with protocols and all, to make this a, a positive season for the Buckeyes. And he's, uh, he thinks that they've got the full support of the university. And I'm thinking, if I'm number one or number two in the country, I'd probably feel the same way. <laughs> that they're doing everything. You know, Ohio State is going to do everything possible. And they'll make the, you know, the protocols as good as, as it's possible to do. So I think this first game between Ohio State and Illinois, if just left to them and not being overruled by the state or whatever, 
uh, I think the game will be played because Ohio State really wants to play it because they see a chance for the national championship. And Illinois really wants to play it because they got a veteran team that was hammered by Ohio State when these seniors were freshmen. And I think they want to have a shot at them. I, I don't, I'm not saying that they have a real chance to win, but I, I, this, is, this, team is, this Illinois team is substantial from a size and, and toughness standpoint. And they got the quarterback and they got the receiver, I think, in Bebe, and they've got tight ends that they've never, you know, haven't had in recent years, the quality of the tight ends and the offensive lines all the way back. I think they got three solid linebackers that have a lot of experience, and I like how Hanson leading the team at, at middle linebacker. I, I just think that if, if Illinois ever was going to do something, this is the year. And they'll have the big stage of uh, national television audience uh, to do that. Not a big crowd there, but uh, we'll learn more about the crowd coming up. Uh, probably ten to 12,000 if they stick with that uh, policy of uh, 20% of Memorial Stadium's capacity. Yeah, I, I saw where Nebraska might have up to 15,000 for our game. But look, we're making statements today. Uh, three weeks from now, it can change. I mean, they, you know, who knows how many they'll allow in when the, when the time comes. Lovey Smith also said uh, in the last couple of days that uh, Rayvon Bonner uh, opted out. He decided yeah. himself. The only one that opted out. Right. And uh, speaking of opting out, there, you know, Minnesota lost a key receiver, some other ones. And how about Rondale Moore at uh, Purdue? He decided not to play. Well, Moore and Rashad, from, uh, Rashad Bateman from right. Minnesota are tremendous, like maybe the best two receivers in the conference. Is that fair? I mean, yeah. I mean, Bateman's considered – an All-American candidate, and Moore was sensational as a freshman. He got hurt last year, but as a freshman, he was, he was as good as it was anywhere. So those are big losses, and both of those guys are simply preparing for the, for the NFL draft. They're, they're not, they just figure it's not worth it to play and, and get hurt and, be, uh, and lose money in the draft. It is 946, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Speaking of uh, the Pella Window Showroom, if you're in the market or thinking about uh, new windows or doors, let me tell you about a product that's relatively new. It's called a Lifestyle from Pella. It's packed with uh, innovation, including the option for their best between the glass blinds and shades with that triple glazing. Uh, Pella Lifestyle has style flexibility with a wide range and a wide variety of inside and outside colors. There are also performance options to improve energy efficiency and reduce the noises from the outside. You can see uh, the lifestyle line at your local Pella Window Showroom. They're at 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. And uh, the window and door specialist there can help you find the right Pella product for your home and budget. So uh, stop by and see uh, the Pella Lifestyle at the Pella Window Showroom or visit them on the website at PellaOfChampagne.com. They're open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, Saturday by appointment. What's on your mind this morning? 356-9397 is the number if you'd like to join us. We'll take a time out and be back with more after this. Welcome back to the show. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11. Phone line open, 356-9397. Let's go to Alan first. Go ahead, Alan. What's on your mind this morning? Morning, guys. Uh, lovely day today. I'm sure you'll be out golfing this afternoon. We're going to give it uh, a try. Okay. I mentioned this to Brian the other day. <clears throat> I was kind of curious how they're going to, if they have this game uh, this year, or games this year, 
how do they set up the way the players dress and when the game's over, how they undress when they go in the locker room? They all can't go in at the same time. I wonder how that all works out. I don't have any idea. Do you know, Steve? I don't. I haven't thought much about that, but uh, you're doing some heavy thinking there, Alan. <laughs> well, I understand I, that, but, uh, you know, they're probably not going to be allowed to take showers, and if they're going to go, like Ohio State, if they're going to go on a bus or an airplane, uh, how are they going to keep everybody uh, distant? Well, I they'll, mean, they'll figure out a way, Alan. I guess I, I haven't thought about that. I don't know. Well, I've been on many team flights, and uh, there's not many ways you could keep a do a lot of distancing on that if you just if you're taking just right. one plane. But uh, so yeah, that's a good point. I'm not sure how that'll work. And Josh did say that be a lot smaller uh, roster on trips. Sure, and a lot less people like me, <laughs> staff and people. You know, it, it takes an hour or so before they actually leave the locker room from the time the game is over. Usually, uh, you got to wait for Ed Bond to get all his work done. <laughs> of course, I don't know. I don't know what what the travel uh, of the the media will be this year. But anyway, uh, you could you could send people into the shower one at a time, and then you get in and out quick. And I, I I'm sure they figure out a way to do that. But it's not something I'm going to worry about. I know that. Would they take more than one plane? No. I think that'd be too costly. I don't know that for a fact. I just think it would be too costly to do that. The, the traveling party, Ed Bond is sitting in here with us. I would say on a normal road trip um, that there's probably 150, 180 people on an airplane when, they, when you count the players, the coaches, the staff, the broadcast team. So that's going to – Cheerleaders. Cheerleaders, of course uh, – yeah, so that's going to that number will be knocked down significantly. I would well, think so. My point yeah. being is, my point being is the locker room problem might be more of a problem than the actual game itself. Well, you they'll figure I mean? they'll figure it out, Alan. That's that's what Tim Knox does. He's the director of football operations, and uh, when we bump into him next time, maybe we'll ask him your questions and get an answer for you. That might have been part of the Cardinals' problem. Who knows? Could be. Hey, appreciate your call. Thanks for calling. Let's go to Steve in Princeton. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Steve. This was for you, and Lauren can chip in with his info. But I've never seen the Orange and Blue Golf Course or the Atkins Golf Course. Why? I thought the Orange and Blue Course was the home course for the Illini. Is it not a good enough course, long enough, or why do they need the Atkins one? It's a good addition, but... I always thought the orange and blue course you could play matches on. Well, you could. Uh, the, the problem with college golf now is there are very few, if any, matches. You don't play a, a dual match anymore. You'd have to host a tournament, and the U of I course could certainly certainly do that, and they plan to do that with the Atkins course, uh, formerly known as Stone Creek. As, as far as why did they need it, I'm not sure they needed it. I think it was gifted at a, at a good time and under a proposition that it was hard to say no to that. And they spent a lot of time out there in the past uh, practicing and playing at Stone Creek. So I think it's a, a win-win there. But uh, the Orange Course is in, in good shape and, and doing very well. Now, it's probably not the test for college players on a regular basis that uh, the Atkins course might be. Okay, thanks for your explanation, but like I said, I, I, 
I was confused a little bit because I always thought we had a course, but maybe it wasn't up to par. For, well, I, I don't uh, think that uh, that Mike Small was going to take his recruits out to out to Savoy. I mean, he let's just face it. I mean, they did not consider that uh, their home course. They just didn't. And they have access uh, on a regular basis to the area country clubs too, and, and yep. they, they can practice and play there with, to get. Um, the feel for different kinds of courses. The big so. problem they got right now is they can't practice on their own practice area. Right. Which I think is ridiculous. You, you got, what, six, eight players who would be, could easily be uh, safely uh, distant from each other and they could be out practicing on different areas of that golf course. Uh, the, the layout there, the practice area, and they spent, you know, millions of dollars building it and now they can't use it. Can't go there. They can go to Savoy and play, but they can't go on their own course and play. Anything else, Steve? Well, he just, Lauren mentioned taking recruits to the orange course. Is that because the facilities aren't big enough, they aren't modern enough, or or why wouldn't you take a recruit to see the orange and blue course? Well, it's a, it's a public course, which is nothing wrong with public courses. Don't get me wrong. I'm a public course guy. But it doesn't, uh, it's not fitted with the kind of, uh, facilities that uh, many of these people might be looking for. You look at the Purdue course uh, over in West Lafayette. They redid that over the years. That's uh, that's what Illinois wants to have uh, when they get uh, Stone Creek renamed and refurbished and redone into the Atkins Golf Club. Uh, something with a uh, little better facilities, a little better practice uh, area and such. I think that's what they're shooting for. All right, thanks for answering my questions, and uh, you guys have a safe day. Thank you, you too. Let's go back to the phones and say hi to Eric. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Hey, uh, good morning, guys. Um, I was just responding to Alan's question about all the distancing and all that, and I think that's precisely the point of all the testing, right? I mean, you don't you go in assuming player A and player B are both clean, and th- therefore they can, you know, if, 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 you, if neither of you have COVID, then you can do what you would normally do. You know what I mean? It's that got to be the assumption or the purpose of the whole thing to begin with. You know, um, they're not doing that for nothing. <laughs> you know? That's right. Now, the funny thing about baseball, though, is that um, they don't even have, seem to have the resources that, that we do. Or I want to say we, the University of Illinois, has really got a head, on, head start on everybody with that saliva test. Um, whether or not, uh, you know, it's been approved or whatnot, that's probably what they're waiting for, but... You're right. You know, Illinois, uh, when an Illinois player, let's say just take one player. When Hansen goes on the field in uh, against Ohio State, he will have been tested seven straight days prior to that and including, right. the, you know, right up to the, the to the game or on the trip to Nebraska, he will be tested every day. So the assumption is that all the players that go, and this is not going to be an 80-man squad going to Nebraska now. This is not going to be 80 people on it. They're going to cut it way down. I don't know what the number will be, but it'll be in the 50-60 range, I would think. You know, two two deep plus a, a few specials, and and uh, that'll be it. Some of the guys that would normally go on the trips won't go, and a lot of the staff people that normally go won't go. Right, and 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 with with baseball too. I think I mentioned this in a couple of days ago, and I, I tried calling in one of the shows. Um, they created those taxi squads with the purpose of being able to try to plug and play, and they're not even. I mean, maybe Miami did that, you know, with the Marlins. I have lost like one game so far, but the Cardinals didn't seem like they even uh, considered that, uh, and it's really kind of confusing how that's all going out with the 
with baseball, you know, I, and it has nothing to do with rosters. And I know that that was somebody's consideration, but I thought there's a special consideration given to, you know, 40 man roster stuff. And well, I think, I think they consider it. I think they did it. They changed the roster. They plugged the guys in. They just could never get to the point where they actually could play a game because the new cases yeah. kept popping up. Yeah, yeah, the whole, whole thing is bad. That, that team's basically devastated right now. Who knows how they're going to play? By the way, so. did you see where Northwestern uh, went into quarantine because one guy got it and then they found out he didn't have it after all? Mm-hmm. False negative. False negative. Yeah. Well, all right. Thanks a lot, guys. Keep, yep. keep up the good show. Thank you very much. Appreciate the call. That's a false positive. False no. positive, excuse me. <laughs> false positive, yeah. It is uh, 10 o'clock almost, uh, 9.59, WDWS. Champaign-Urbana. This is Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We'll take our time out, wrap up hour number one. We'll kick it off with hour number two with Jason Hegemeyer coming up. Stay with us back after this. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line. 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the show. We are with you until 11 o'clock as usual this morning. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. The phone number is 356-9397. If you'd like to jump in, we had a few calls there before the uh, last break. Feel free to continue with those. Jason Hegemeyer, Associate Athletic Director and the man in charge of ticketing at the U of I is with us. You might guess he's a very busy guy. How are you doing, Jason? Yeah, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me this morning. Things change. As Josh said, you might have heard him day by day, if not minute by minute. And uh, that um, is what's happening with you and your office. And right now, on September 3rd, is it still the plan to have ten to 12,000 folks in Memorial Stadium for that Ohio State game? Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we obviously we operate from guidelines that are that are handed out from the local public health officials and from the governor's office. And right now, as it stands where we're at in the state of Illinois, we're allowed to have, I believe the rule says 20 percent of capacity at an outdoor spectator event. Um, We fit into that category. So, you know, we've had to figure out what that means for us. And uh, Memorial Stadium, when it's full, holds 60,670 people do the math. It's about 12,000 would be 20%. But here's the thing you got to remember. It's 20% with social distancing. Okay. So that doesn't necessarily mean we're going to have 12,000 fans at every game. What we need to do is make sure that we do a great job of maximizing our capacity by assigning seat blocks so that they're all six feet apart from each other. And as you can imagine, that's a big jigsaw puzzle to put together. And we're currently doing that right now. So we're about halfway done. Uh, my staff is awesome. I got I got some all stars that are helping us. But remember, you know we have people that have two tickets, four tickets, five tickets, six tickets, and we have to to assort those around the stadium to maximize the number of seats we have, keeping everybody six feet apart. It's tough. Uh, it's a, it's a hard task, but um, you know we're asking for people's patience. I think I think our season ticket holders do know this. Do you begin with every other row? Yeah, it's every other other row. So every other there's two rows. Oh wow! Behind and below you that are empty. So mm. uh, we had to do that when we measured to get six feet. So 
you know, as you can imagine, the stadium will look totally different, right? And we're asking for some grace from our season ticket holders. This is, we all keep saying this, it's a different year. 2020 is a different year. And we will get back to regular football and regular seating, and everyone will be back in their normal seats for next year. But for this year, you know, it is very real that people could be, they might have had seats on the 40-yard line, and they might be on the five this year. They may have had seats in the lower stands, and now they're in the balcony. These are the type of things that we've had to do to maximize and use every seat within Memorial Stadium. And so, um, again, I, I, I do think that the season ticket holders that have opted in for 2020, I think they know what they can expect. I think they know going into this that this is different. But they're just like me. I love football. There's nowhere else I'd rather be. If we can do it in a safe way, and I'm very confident that we're doing all the right things to do that. If we can do it in a safe way, um, you know, it's going to be fun. So for the people that do come this year, um, it will be memorable. I mean, good or bad, it will be memorable. So. We, know, we know you have questions. 356-9397 is the number. The phone line is open. Let's go to the phones and uh, start with uh, Mark in Urbana. Go ahead. Uh, Mark, you're on with Jason Hagemeyer. Gentlemen, thanks for taking my call. Uh, Jason, I'm a season ticket holder that opted in for this year, and I keep hearing advertisements saying I think that general public sales is going on going to start this week. So if that's correct, does that mean every season ticket holder that opted in will be getting a seat? Yeah, so a couple things. Thanks for your question, Mark. Um, we haven't really run any ads yet, but I think what you're seeing is we've announced a, a – public on sale if we have any single game tickets available and that will be next week on monday and tuesday of next week uh, iFund members will have exclusive access on monday and then the public would have access on tuesday um, at this point in time every season ticket holder that opted in we're we're trying to find seats for the for them so um, we're ha halfway through allocating everybody and our intention is to make sure we find space for everyone and, I, and I'm pretty confident that that's going to happen. Uh, what, where your, their exact seats are right now, I don't know. But, um, we're working on that. But it's our intention to make sure that everyone who opted in uh, will have a seat for this year. Um, and, and obviously, if we're not able to take care of every season ticket holder, we're not going to have a single game on sale. So um, right now, our numbers are telling us that, that we're pretty confident that, that everybody who opted in for season tickets are going to get them. What percentage okay. of Excuse me, Mark. What percentage of uh, season ticket holders actually want to go to the games? I mean, what what are you finding? Yeah, so it's Lauren. It's happened over time over the summer. Our initial survey said sixty five percent of the season ticket holders wanted to come back. Um, they opted in, but at, as this the summer has went on and things change, and people learn more about the virus and learn more about you know what the events will look like, what a football game looks like. We have had others that have decided this isn't for me, you know, mm -hmm. um, maybe this, maybe I'll sit the year out. And so I don't want to say that 65% is our final number because, uh, we've slowly had people, you know, um, deciding that they wanted to opt out after the initial response. So it is, it is, um, how do you deal with people that want to come to the Ohio State game, but maybe you don't want to come to the next home game. Well, I mean, that's the beauty of a season ticket. You have a ticket for all five games. So, um, okay. you know, uh, 
I think so. Those could go. Those could the seats could be empty if they didn't come. In other words, they've already correct. Okay, correct. Yep. Anything else, uh, Mark? Nope. That that's it. I appreciate your response, and I appreciate Steve and Lauren and you guys doing these shows. I look forward to them every Saturday. Thank, Thank you. you. We appreciate that. Let's go to Al in Urbana. Go ahead. You're on the air, Al. Good morning, gentlemen. Um, so even six foot distancing between a husband and a wife who buy season tickets together. No, no, it's it, that it's by seat block, right? So if a husband and a wife come to a game, they're going to have two seats together, and then we'll make sure there's six feet in between them and the the next group of people that would have tickets. There so could we'll be a whole the family. Market. The whole family could come That's to right. a game. You could have six members of a family, and they'd be sitting right next to each other. Yeah, I think I think we're we want to make sure that 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 individuals understand that you make the decision to who you come to the games with, you know, who you feel comfortable attending the games with. And so, from our standpoint, if you have four or five tickets, we assume that you're you're bringing people to the game with you that you feel comfortable uh, being with. Okay, Al, thanks. We appreciate it. Uh, Tim in Urbana, go ahead. You're on the air. Hey, yeah, uh, Jason. Tell me um, how many tickets are allowed are allotted to the other Big Ten schools. And if, if that is the case, why should they even get any tickets to the game since there's only going to be 12,000 Illini fans at the game? We don't need a uh, big nut coming from Ohio State showing all of his Buckeyes around his neck. We don't need any Ohio State fans at the game. But if that's a Big Ten rule, will you explain that to all the fans listening, that how many tickets does Ohio State or the other schools get to, go to come to the game? I'll hang up and listen to your answer. Thanks, yeah. Tim. Great question, right? It's not a, there is no Big Ten rule for this year. I mean, there's a there's a protocol that we've all agreed on, and and you're right. We don't want uh, we don't want that Ohio State guy uh, in our in our <laughs> building, um, and likewise, they don't want they only have a limited capacity too. They don't want to be selling their tickets to Illini fans, right? So um, we all have agreed that we're we're trying to maximize and make sure that we have as many of our own fans in the building. Um, there will be limits on what we do for the visitors. Um, we have to all remember that the student athletes are, are the priority here. They're the reason these games happen. And so we do need to provide opportunities for even the visiting teams, for their families to, to watch them play. I mean, they're competing on, on the field there. So there will be limited numbers. Um, it, you know, right now we're looking at around 400 tickets for, for each visiting team that comes in. Appreciate the call. Let's go to uh, Wayne in Champaign. Hello, Wayne. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Uh, Jason, first of all, I can't imagine the job that you guys have in front of you and have had in front of you all spring. So we we as fans really appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, my question is, like groups uh, – like maybe there's four in a family that have season tickets and you've always set together. I, am I correct in assuming, first of all, that those four people will still be able to sit side by side by side before the six foot takes over? And with bigger groups than that, or can you explain how this is all going to work? Because that could increase your number of tickets also. Thank yeah. you for, and I'll hang up. Yeah, thanks for the question. Um, so everybody, if you're a season ticket holder, 
the quantity of tickets that you ordered will be seated together. So uh, we assume, again, if, if you're coming to a game and, and you have more than one ticket, we assume you're bringing people that you feel comfortable sitting with, whether it's a family of four, whether it's two alums that always sit together. Um, these are if, if you're going to spend time uh, with that person at the football game and be in close proximity to them, we assume that you feel comfortable doing that. Uh, for those, so for, for, for those people that have ordered, we put those seats together. So we, yes, we have families of four, we have groups of six. Um, obviously, the bigger groups help us maximize our capacity. If we had only pairs of seats all around the stadium, we just wouldn't be able to get as many people in as we can when we have uh, seat blocks of, of a higher quantity. But again, we've worked with, we have worked with season ticket holders that wanted their blocks split up. We've had groups that had 12 season tickets that say, can you break them up into six and six? Can you, can you split them up into three groups of four? We've done that for people. Um, but again, if you're coming to the game and you have a, you, yes, there will be more than, than one or two seats together, but we're trusting that people are coming to the games with people that they feel comfortable being with. So if there's a, a person out there that maybe doesn't live here, but has happened to be in town that day and say, well, I'd love to go see Illinois and Ohio State. Just all I need is one ticket. Is one ticket going to be? That's going to be tough. Yeah, I mean, I would, that, I would that think. is absolutely going to be tough because, you know, as I said before, trying to put six feet in between each seat block. Yeah, we, 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 it's just we're not going to have singles. I mean, it's it's just not going to happen. And it, and if we do have seats available on a single game basis, which we're anticipating that they would go on sale on the seventeenth and eighteenth. If we do that, they're going to be a pre-established order quantities, and you'll have to order that quantity. So, right. you know, we may have some seat blocks of two. We may have some fours and fives and sixes available. But, but no you're not going to be able to grab the six and right. say, I only want two of those. You can't do that. You're going to have to buy the block, right? And so, look, it's a different year. It's yeah. a different type of year, and we're we're trying to maximize the opportunities for people to be in the building and, and watch us play. And um, we are doing things we've never had to do before. We're talking to Jason Hegemeyer. If you have ticket questions, we'll keep him another 15 minutes or so. 356-9397 is the phone number. We'll take a break and be back with more here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk coming up after this. Moving up on 1018, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Lauren Tate, Steve Kelly, Jason Hegemeyer, ticket manager at the U of I, and an open phone line, 356-9397. Back to the phones we go, and Morgan in Urbana. Go ahead, Morgan. Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, Jason, I'm an iFund member, and I got an email yesterday, I think, asking me to pick my or to to rate my parking areas that I'd like to park in. Mm -hmm. The problem is I don't know where I'm going to sit yet. Yeah, that's that's a tough one. Um, I empathize with you on that one. Um, I I think... uh, we'd be willing to talk to you in the office and we we're trying to keep people on the same side of the stadium that they normally are on. And so for the majority mm-hmm. of people, if you were on the West side before you'll be on the West side now, uh, I don't want to okay. say that's a hundred percent, but, um, we're trying like well, heck to make sure I'm that I'm an East siders. So I'm guessing it, that the probability that I'll stay there is pretty high. Yeah. I'd say that's pretty high too. I, um, most of our, most of our fans are, are trying to get on the West. And so if you're, yeah. if you're currently on the East, I think you can make an assumption that you'll end up back on the east side. I hope that helps you with your with your parking selection. 
That answers my parking question. Thank you, Jason. Sure. Thanks, Morgan, Jason, for the call. Bye-bye. Students and band. Mm-hmm. Good question. <laughs> I was just saying, yes. Well, I don't. <laughs> you're gonna have. Are you gonna be able to put a thousand students in that five thousand seat area? I don't know about a thousand. I think that's gonna be really difficult. I mean, first of all, it's not a thousand. I mean, it's not. We say we say five thousand because that's a round number. It's probably closer to forty five hundred when you, because that five thousand does does take into consideration the location of the marching Illini, and so. Um, we still have that area held for them. I, um, at this point in time, I know they're still talking about it. Um, I'm preparing for them to have some kind of, of a role within the game. And so I have, had, I have held that area that they're normally in. I don't know how they'll use it. I don't know how many people will be there. I don't know if they can use it. But right now, I'm, going, I'm moving forward uh, programming that area for them to use however they decide to utilize it. Uh, but in terms of the rest of the students, we are going to have a lottery system, and within that section, again, a jigsaw puzzle every week. I mean, we will take a look at the students who bought tickets. They're going to be allowed to buy in groups, and so we'll know, you know, if Steve and Lauren, if you guys bought tickets and want to come together, we're going to know that, and we're going to, we're going to build that puzzle every single week, and we're going to try and maximize that together the best we can. So this might be different students for different games? Yes, it'll be different each week. And the band again? Are they are they going to do things at halftime? What what's going to happen? I, I I you know I'm not involved in their final decision making. I, I know they're talking about all of that right now, and I think at the appropriate time. Look, I mean, as the summer goes on, things have been changing. Every I mean, things change on us every week, and so uh, that's still a discussion that's happening. I just know, you know, uh, from what you asked me before, we're 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 keeping that that option open. We're keeping that space that we would normally have the band in. I'm, I'm holding that for, for, for their use. How they use it, I don't know. If they use it, I don't know. But it'll. I need to make sure that I plan for that and that I have it in case they need it. Had a caller off the air ask a question that is not under your jurisdiction, but uh, it does go on outside of stadiums and whether or not tickets are available on game day. And it's kind of, as you mentioned during the break, it's kind of buyer beware on where you pick up a ticket. Yeah, I believe the question was about scalping. And I'll, I'll talk about scalping, um, and I'll lump it together with buying tickets on a secondary ticket market, right? Like, so whether you, whether you buy, if you don't buy your tickets directly from the University of Illinois, whether you buy it on StubHub or Vivid or any other website or from a friend in town or from somebody on the street as you're walking up to the stadium, this is a different year. I think you need to know that if, if I had a block of four and I decided to resell them, I can split those up into two. I think you just need to make sure that you know and you're comfortable with knowing if you buy a pair of seats on the street and you walk in, that you could be sitting next to, directly next to somebody else that you don't know. And that is, we can't prevent that from happening because you know, as a season ticket holder, if, if you have four or six seats, you can do with them what you want. And so if there's a week where you only want to use four and you decide you're going to give two away, you obviously need to be comfortable knowing that two people are going to be next to you that you don't know. And so that's why I think, like, look, scalping is, is a way that a lot of people um, buy tickets and, and get into our games. And, you know, obviously the secondary ticket market is huge. But you need to know that this year, that um, you just have to be comfortable knowing. Just like everything. I mean, you come to the stadium, you, there's a certain level of, you, you need to be comfortable just coming to the game, but then you need to know once you make that decision, when you come in, if you buy them on the secondary ticket market, you don't know that you bought that whole seat block. And there, it, it could be that you could be sitting 
immediately next to somebody that you don't know. Jason Hegemeyer will be here for about six or seven more minutes. So if you do have questions, give us a call. Let's go to Dirk calling from Oak Park. Go ahead, Dirk. Yeah, good morning. I had heard that uh, campaign was going to change its uh, laws regarding access to bars. It used to be maybe, I don't know, 18 and 19. It's going up to 21. I'm just curious if um, Jason heard that and if there's any thoughts, perhaps, as well. Encourage more students to go to the games instead of go to the basement and going to some place. Uh, what do you think? Okay, uh, Dirk, we're having trouble hearing you, but uh, you, you were mentioning the bars. Is that right? Yeah, I think he was asking me if I had heard of Champagne was changing the law to help make sure that kids could only go into a bar if they were 21. I, I mean, look, I, I've uh, been working in my basement all summer on <laughs> Illinois football, and I, I'm not aware of what, what uh, what's happening in the city of Champaign in terms of, of, of that. But, but I mean, we, I, I, don't, I don't see it as a um, kid wakes up in the morning and, and decides what they're going to do. This is a different type of year. They're going to have to be in a lottery and, and register for that lottery early in the in the week, and so I don't. I think the the students that are at our games this year are going to have made a choice uh, to attend our games uh, ahead of time, and so um, I'm not sure if, if any kind of legislation from the city this year um, in that type of environment would, would help us. Um, it would in a normal year. I would say that yes, in a, in a normal year, um, there are a lot. We do lose a lot of students to bars uh, to watch the games and and they may we obviously wish they would make the choice to come to memorial stadium and watch it there because we think it's a lot better experience but um, i'm not sure that, that that would help us this year appreciate the call dirk let's go back to the phones and joe calling from champaign go ahead joe yes i have a question about ticket prices uh different areas of the stadium have rather different uh, season ticket uh prices if i've paid for one area and i'm assigned um Seats in a different area, will there, will there be an adjustment in the ticket price? Great question. Uh, something that we were actually talking about yesterday. And um, I think the plan right now, and again, we just started talking about this yesterday when we started assigning ticket locations. We obviously, you know, we, we appreciate the support of season ticket holders who have opted in this year. Uh, we appreciate them staying with us, and we value that tremendously. We're going to do right by people, right? So if, if you are going to be moved to an area where uh, the season ticket price would have been cheaper, we're absolutely going to take your account and have your tickets reflect that new price. Now, what we are going to do is right now we're going to default everybody into keeping that money as a credit for next year. But we're certainly, if, if people do want to have that refunded to them in their pocket, we will absolutely do that. Um, again, you're kind of out ahead of me on this. I haven't been able to communicate that to all of our ticket holders yet because we don't know how many of them that will affect. Um, but right now, that will be the plan. We will try to defer that money and, and keep it as a down payment for next year's season tickets. And if if someone does want that money back right away, we'll go ahead and, and, and make that transaction for them. Because again, I do want to stress, I mean, we do appreciate so much the season ticket holders that are with us this year. And we want to make sure we do right by them. Thank you. Thanks, Joe, for the call. Appreciate it. Well, I was going to say the end zone uh, tickets are have been pretty cheap over the years. And You'll have, uh, I suppose, people sitting in there that that are season ticket holders. Oh, absolutely, and 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 I think um, you know one of the things for us is you know we we obviously get a lot of people that do buy those 
those um, high value areas like the horseshoe or the iPhone four pack in the balcony. We, um, you know, we, we still have a lot of those people that have opted in for this year. And so the reality is, is, you know, will there be a lot of area seats in the horseshoe? I don't, I don't know. I haven't got to that point where we've allocated that, but we do know that we did, we had a pretty good uh, opt-in rate from the horseshoe. So, um, you know, it's, if you ask me these questions in about four or five days, I'm going to have a lot more data. Uh, but, uh, yeah. We'll Here's a question for you. Will there ever be another normal year? <laughs> it's kind of hard to foresee it. I hope it. so. <laughs> I really hope so. Um, this year has been, uh, it's been very, very uh, challenging. Um, you know, we, lo- we all love what we do. And so we're kind of immersed in it all the time. And um, I hope people can appreciate it. And again, I used the word grace earlier from our, from our fans and ticket holders. I mean, you can appreciate just the number of times we've had to pivot um, uh, based on new information we have. And, and look, we're all sitting around in this room right now. We may have to pivot again. I mean, that's, that, that could happen. And so, but right now where we're at, you know, we're, I think we have a good plan. We're, we're doing exactly what uh, the state of Illinois is allowing us to do. And we're, we're providing the best, safest environment for people to watch college football that we can. And so, um, yeah, it's been a challenging year, but we love what we do. And whether this is the new normal, gosh, I hope not. See, I hope next year, I hope that we have, you know, therapeutics and vaccines and, and people feel good about reentering society again and, and being close to each other. Because, you know, when we talk about just society in general, like I think f- football games are a good microcosm of that. It's about relationships. It's about human interaction. It's about social interaction. It's about sharing experiences with other people. That's what we love about these large events. You know, it doesn't do me any good to go to see Illinois, Wisconsin and watch us knock them off at the very end. And I was there by myself. And I go home and I try to tell, I try to tell my wife what happened. And you know what? She's, she doesn't care. She wasn't, it's like, we want to be and, and share those stories together. And so, gosh, I hope we get back to normal. And I, I hope that we can all have those shared experiences again. Well, uh, would you like to um, leave the folks with in your parting uh, message for today, knowing <laughs> that it could change yeah. by tomorrow? Yeah, I mean, I would say if you're a season ticket holder out there, we're busy right now allocating seats, and you should have some kind of notification on that later next week before we would have a single game on sale. Um, so if you have questions, obviously email us or call us. We're open. We're, we have some reduced office hours now from one to five. We're we're ready to handle those questions. I do. I know nothing about men's basketball. Uh, so any questions about basketball, I will be glad to, to get on the phone and talk with you, but I will tell you gladly that I know nothing yet. Um, Are you on the uh, phone with some people in your business around the Big every Ten? Day, every day. And how, what's the most anybody's going to be able to see? What's Iowa going to see? So Iowa's a great, great case study for you have to pivot. I mean, at the beginning of all of this, Iowa was doing a great job when they didn't have any – they had minimal cases of the virus in, in their state. Uh, we were being told they were going to have 50% of capacity, right? right? I heard that. Um, now that is slowly, slowly eroded. I know I saw a few days ago it was at 25%. Really? And it may be down to 15,000 fans now. I'm not sure like whether that final decision was is made. Is that same for Nebraska? Nebraska, I, the latest info, they're waiting to hear from their, their public health people on what they can do. But the, 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 the latest they heard was pretty restrictive, so they're waiting it out to see what they can do. Ohio they State? don't have a final decision. Ohio State's at 20,000. 
Uh, Penn State, I don't know if people saw that, but Penn State cannot have fans at their games. Rutgers can only have 500. Maryland is starting. 500. 500. Yeah. That was meant to be for, I think, families to come watch the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, not, they're not going to have a, a public sale. And Maryland right now is starting the season with no fans. We're, you know, the state of Michigan is still figuring things out. I think, again, I mean, how many times we got to say it, right? it's so it's so different. It's just so not normal for us. Here's a question, another question from off the air, and we'll end with this. And you may have touched on some of this before, but will season ticket holders who get their seats moved for this season get their old seats back next season? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that because there seems that that is a common question and one I would have as well. Um, our int- our intention is this year is an anomaly. Once it's over, take it off the board. We're gonna when we seat people for 21, we're going back to the seats that they had in 19. Everybody will be guaranteed the chance to buy the same seats they had in 2019 for the 2021 season. What we're doing this year is a patch just to get us through this year in this reduced capacity. So I want to make sure that we are very clear about that and that we assure people whatever seats you had in 2019 you will be able to buy those in 2021 unless you decline them. So um, 2019 seats will be used when we renew people for 2021. We saw today that the Mid-American Conference canceled its season. The other part of this question is, if the Big Ten season is canceled, will there be refunds? And you touched on some of this, that they could be, it could go to next year's tickets. But what what are the processes there? Yeah, let's hope we don't get to that. But again, that would be one of the pivots we would need to do if, uh, if if we do have any games that are that we don't play, or if the season is canceled in full. Um, we're again, I, I've mentioned this before. We're going to do right by people because uh, these are long-term relationships we have with ticket holders, and we want to make sure we maintain them. And and uh, so, if we have any games that are canceled, we're gonna we're gonna offer them refunds for the games that are canceled. Uh, we're also, if if a whole season is canceled, we would do the same thing. Um, you may see us offer to defer that money as their down payment for mm-hmm. next year, and we're glad to do that. Um, but, yes, we will do right by people and give them those options. Uh, just uh, Ed Bond just handed me this from Pete Temel on, uh, I suppose it's on Twitter. Big Ten presidents are meeting today, all options on the table. There is some prudential momentum, presidential momentum for canceling the fall football season. It's unknown if there's enough support to make that decision today. It's just day-to-day, we don't know what's happening. That's right. Thanks for that happy note, yeah. Lauren. Thanks, Lauren. <laughs> Jason, we appreciate your time. Always, and uh, I got a feeling that uh, hopefully we'll be talking to you again before the season yeah. starts. I, any time. I know, I know we, we had a lot of calls there. I, I, uh, I would encourage people, if they have questions, to call our office. But anytime you guys want to have me on, and, and uh, if it feels like there's, if, if we can get information out to people that they need it, if there's interest in it, I'm, I'm glad to do this whenever well, you want. Appreciate it. We'll take a break. 1034. We'll be back with more after this. Moving up on 1036, Saturday Sports Talk brought to you by the Pella Window Store, Illini Pella Windows and Doors. Lauren Tate, Steve Kelly with you until 11. Have a busy morning so far. Josh Whitman, Illinois Athletic Director, kicked us off at 9 o'clock. We just uh, spent some time with Illinois Ticket Manager Jason Hegemeyer with uh, the Big Ten schedule being released this week in Illinois opening at Memorial Stadium, we hope, knock on wood, on uh, September 3rd. And that's, that's a Thursday night, by the way, but we're just getting word that now that Big Ten presidents have scheduled a call today, a Zoom meeting, 
to talk more about uh, that, uh, Lauren. So uh, who knows where the uh, Big Ten football schedule is at this particular moment? It's up in the air. <laughs> That's the answer to that. It's, we go from day to day. And speaking of up in the air and going day to day, we welcome in our friend Tom Ackerman, sports director of KMOX in St. Louis. We're going to talk a little Cardinals baseball or Cardinals off the field activity in baseball. Tom, how are you doing? Doing great. And like I've been saying since March 12th, when the players walked off the field for the last time in spring training, and people have asked me throughout the summer, and I'm sure they've asked you, is baseball season going to continue? When is it going to start? Will they be able to make it through? I say, let's just get to tomorrow. And I said that on March 12th. I said that on Thursday. Um, I had uh, I do this uh, show on Facebook called the Garage Happy Hour, and I actually had Joe Buck say yes, and he did the show with me. And I told Joe that exact same thing on Thursday at about 5:30 <clears throat> when we um, when we did the show. I said let's just get to tomorrow, you know. And the Cubs game was scheduled, and we got to tomorrow. And uh, right around noon, the word came out that the game was postponed. And then after that, the whole series was postponed. So here we are again with 10 postponements. Cardinals have 10 games that they will have missed. Some teams have already played 15, and the Cardinals have played five. So that's where we are. You mentioned we got to tomorrow. We got to tomorrow, but we didn't get to tomorrow. <laughs> that's the, the world we're living in, right? That's right. So Saturday postponed and uh, tomorrow, Sunday also postponed as the Cubs left town. So I'm sitting here right now in the KMOX Sports office putting together some programming for tonight and tomorrow uh, because we're used to airing Cardinals games. That's kind of what we've been doing fortunately we have a lot of resources where we're able to do some stuff so the joe buck show is actually going to air on KMOX tonight as it aired uh, on thursday on facebook and then sunday we're going to do a show about carolyn kendall betts who's the ceo of mls for the Lou, because next week their franchise is going to announce their team name colors and crest and that will be a little injection of energy into the city that is quite needed right now because as you know the cardinals are the heartbeat of the city during the summer and the blues have a lot of fans a ton of fans they are the stanley cup champions and they are away in edmonton playing in front of no fans but they also are playing and uh, and the fans are keeping an eye on them and excited about the playoffs about to start. But just to have some good news come across with the MLS team will be nice for the city. But that's really where we are. I mean, the Cardinals, uh, you know, did whatever they thought they could do to contain it and still couldn't contain it. And now here they have another little outbreak happening with three positives announced yesterday, two players and one staff member, and now more testing is underway and more contact tracing is underway to see if they can get a hold of this. More on baseball in just a moment, Lauren. Yeah, Tom, I got to cut in on you a little bit here. There's this Big Ten statement that just came out. I'm going to okay. read it. The Big Ten Conference announced today, based on the advice and counsel of the Big Ten Task Force for Emerging Infectious Diseases and the Big Ten Sports Medicine Committee, that until further notice, all institutions will remain in the first two days of the acclimatization period of football. That means helmets, but no contact, basically. 
uh, as we continue transition prudently through the preseason practice, all other fall sports will continue to work locally with team physicians and athletic trainers to adjust practices to the appropriate level of activity as necessary based on the current medical protocols. So basically what they're saying is football team can continue to practice, but they can't go into contact. That's what right. I see. And that, that, yeah. that statement came out right now, just came out. Well, I appreciate that news, Lauren, and uh, you know I, I have been paying attention to that. I know that uh, watching these schedules come out the last few days, uh, when the Big Ten schedule came out on Wednesday, uh, I looked at it, and <laughs> as a fan of Indiana, I looked at this, the start of the schedule, and I'm like, wow. Uh, so at Wisconsin, Penn State at home, Illinois at home, at Ohio State, hello. Yep. Welcome to, welcome to college football season. <laughs> and also the fact that, you know, they're just starting to really get into all of their practices and everything else. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is there either. Well, you know what they're, what they're doing is they're not, they're not allowing you to bring your offense and defense together in contact. I mean, that's what they're stopping. And right now, Illinois is practicing the off, offense on one field and the defense on another field. And it would appear to me that they're going to have to continue to do that because I know they all talk together. They all know what each other's doing in that regard. And so uh, there'll just be no, I don't know, I, you know, we, Illinois has got a game in four weeks. they got to have some contact practice pretty soon. Right. And I know that Lovey Smith said yesterday um, during a Zoom call that, you know, that I know he said the protocol is great and they have everything in place and they're doing a great job and they're being tested daily and, but the, the issue is, so have the Cardinals. I mean, the Cardinals had a protocol in place. They were tested daily. They are tested as they walk into the, the – checked with everything as they walk in and out of places. And nothing is foolproof. I mean, the virus can still find its way to one person. And the Cardinals believe in their case it was from an outside source through their tracing, it got to one person and it infected other people on the team plane and, uh, you know, now they have more positive tests that they believe they can trace back to when the, the, the group was in Milwaukee. So that group went on a plane back to St. Louis and worked out together on Wednesday and Thursday hmm. So at, at Bush Stadium. So, you know, it's, it, it, it's hard to determine when a person, because if a person takes a test and is negative, the incubation period for the virus is longer in some people than others. So... They might test negative, but the next day that virus might start to show itself, and now they test positive. So it's it's difficult right now unless you are in a bubble like the NHL and the NBA are, and I know others are, but I'm just using those two as an example, um, where they're not showing any positive tests right now. That is one way to go about it. It's very difficult for baseball and football to do that, of course, because you have more teams and you have – more people and you have more facilities needed and more fields needed. So it's, it's tricky guys. It really is right now. And, and we're literally day to day, hour to hour. Can you get a feel Tom Ackerman on uh, what John Mazalak is, is thinking right now, not only about the future of, of the Cardinals schedule, but about major league baseball entirely. He does not know the future of, of what's going to happen. I think that he, he made that, pretty clear yesterday he said you know if i knew the answer i would uh, i would share it with you in a second 
Um, you know, he does not. He said he was quoted as saying, "Looking to what tomorrow looks like, I don't know." So, you know, no one has the answer, and and so they're just sort of moving ahead and trying to get back to where they were to play a baseball game and, you know, do, do the families now need to be tested also because the Cardinals remember went to the hotel, but they came back to St. Louis and then went and worked out and went back to their families. So everybody is being told to self-isolate and they're going to be retested and it is a big operation. And until they get through that part of it, and that's why they had to postpone this weekend's series to be able to do all of that is going to take time. They will have better answers. Their contact tracing got them an answer as to what happened the first time around during this outbreak. They believe, again, came from an outside source before they even left St. Louis. So now here they are again, and they're going to have to test and, and trace and, and, isolate everybody and go back and retrace their steps again. Do you, do you see any possibility that the, that the divisions could be based, uh, ultimately the winners could be based on percentages as opposed to the number of games won? Yes. You do? The Cardinals really? Have to play. Yeah, I do. I think that, well, the commissioner has said that. So the commissioner has said that if they had to go by winning percentage, they will do that. Okay. So, I mean, at this, at this point, I don't see any way that the Cardinals can play a full 60-game schedule. As it stands right now, the math, as John Mosellock said yesterday, is challenging. They have to play 55 games in 49 days after you wipe out this weekend series. 55 and 49 is hard enough. That would have to be with no delays from this point forward. No rain delays, no virus delays, no anything. So you have to account that there will be even less days because you're bound to have something somewhere. So it's tough. So if you can't get in the full 60, the, the commissioner has said they would go by winning percentage, and we'll see where that goes. Now, there will be a lot of teams that are going to qualify for the playoffs because they've expanded the field, um, and that that is interesting in itself. So it's a different year. I mean, we've got – We've got new rules all over the place. We have the DH in the in the National League. We have a runner starting at second base in extra innings. We have pitchers that have to throw to three batters minimum. We have double headers that are seven innings apiece. And now uh, we have a protocol that uh, all the teams have to go by, and we have schedules that have been shuffled and logistics, and it is a, an upside-down kind of year, but that's where we are in 2020. And all the on-the-field on stuff that you talked about, we haven't had a chance to talk about yet. <laughs> it's just they haven't played <laughs> enough games to really get into to who you're mad at or oh, who you right. want in the rotation or who you well, want batting third or whatever. Yeah, what's the earliest yeah. that Molina could come back? Do you know that? Well, I can, I'd have to go back to when he tested positive. So that exact day, I don't know. I'm going to guess that it was probably Friday or Saturday saturday somewhere in there maybe even sunday so one of those days it was last weekend so mm -hmm. you have you cannot take a pot you can't take another test until seven days after your most recent positive test if that makes sense so you can't he's not allowed to take a test until seven days have passed since he took that positive test 
Once that happens, he has to pass back-to-back negative tests within a 24-hour, at least 24 hours apart. So that means from the day that he tested positive, at minimum, he could be back in eight days. Also, the other things he would have to pass are no fever for 72 hours, no symptoms, an antibody test, and they do a couple of other medical exams, including a a cardiac exam. So it's a lot. And once you get through all of that, you're allowed to reenter and be back working out again. So it's roughly a a little over a week at minimum that you can get back once you've tested positive. Tom Ackerman, by the way, these two, they did, they did identify uh, the two players, the two additional players who tested positive. The Cardinals are up to now um, nine. So they had seven players prior to this announcement yesterday. They added Ryan Helsley and Austin Dean to that list. You may already have that information. But anyway, those are the two additional players who gave permission to have their names released. Tom, we'll let you get back to work and get that programming going, and uh, we'll be talking to you again soon. Thanks for your time, buddy. That's our job, isn't it, to keep uh, our listeners entertained, and I appreciate all of your listeners. And uh, let me – can I finish with one thing? Yes, sir. Can can we please, 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 please have a college basketball season? (laughs) Uh, Don't take away our hoops. I mean, I hope this thing flattens, but – not only for just college basketball in general, for, but for you guys and, and all of the Illini fans, that team is going to be good, really good. Actually, the Big Ten is going to be really good overall. But it really is. I, I, I hope for, for Illinois' sake they got a real shot at being something special. So let's hope. All right, Tom, thanks again. Thanks, guys. You bet. Tom Ackerman, KMOX in St. Louis. Let's squeeze in a call here. Betty has been hanging on for a little bit. Go ahead, Betty. You're on the air. Hi there, guys. It's a long time. No talk. I am so glad to hear you guys again. And wondered, uh, can I listen every Saturday morning to see what the updates are and when things will be uh, settled out where I don't just have to listen to the Channel 3 sports news every day? Absolutely. We've been here all along. We don't have any plans uh, to do else, uh, anything else. We're doing what we know. Yes, and it's good to hear Lauren Tate again, my good friend, hear you again. And I um, tell, tell the guy that I used to always hear when he would answer the phone that I like hearing his voice. That would be Ed Bond, and he's uh, (laughs) sitting here, so we'll get that message to him. Thank you, Betty. Uh, Okay, and dear heart, I do want to tell you, you haven't heard from me for three years because I'm taking care of my beloved husband who has Alzheimer's and leukemia. So I've been very, very busy, and I'm thankful that I got to say hi to both of you today. Thank you, Betty. We Thank appreciate you. you holding on, and uh, and bless you and your husband. Thank you. Let's uh, go Thank to Sam. Bye, bye. Go ahead. Okay. Thanks, what Betty. We'll say? go to Sam real quick in Champaign. Go ahead, Sam. Yeah. Hey, hey guys. I, I actually had a question for Tom, uh, respective with the MLB decision uh, about the winning percentages for the games played, maybe using that for determining the conference winners, I was wondering, should there be a number of games provision with that? Because 
you know, if you t- have a situation where the in 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 the, in the uh, Central Division where the Cardinals play a lot fewer games than the Cubs or or other teams, uh, what about that factor? Well, I think uh, there would have to be. Don't you don't you think so, Sam? I would think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would think, but I, I didn't hear Tom Tom mention that. I don't uh, know that so it's, that has been mentioned yeah. yet at this point, Sam. But I would think, no doubt, that that, that would have to be a factor. It had to be a that minimum of a forty games or something, some number. Yeah, I think it'd yeah. be closer to fifty at least. Yeah. yeah. Good yeah, point. Yeah. All right. Hey, thanks. Good to hear you guys. You too, Sam. Thank you very much. Need to take a break at 10.53. We'll do that and be back with more after this. Stay with us here on Illini Pellas Saturday Sports Talk. We're about three minutes away from 11 o'clock here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Well, Steve, uh, evidently the Big Ten presidents are meeting right now. They're going to come out with some kind of a statement, and I don't know what it's going to be. In the meantime, the Big Ten has made an announcement that all football will be the same as it was yesterday. In other words, they will not be putting on pads for uh, another. They're going to keep the offenses and defenses separate, and there won't be any contact until further notice. And I don't know how many days that will be, or how many, maybe just today, and maybe. They release it tomorrow, but Illinois does have a football game uh, four weeks from last Thursday. So, as of the moment, yeah, as of the moment, Illinois was and, putting and on shoulder to, pads. They're either going to have to let them go into full practice or yeah. not. And I mean, if they're going to call off the season, then they're going to call off the season. There's nothing you can do about it. Illinois is on the practice field right now. Yeah, and scheduled with helmets yep. and shoulder pads. But I'm sure they've got the message from the Big yeah, Ten. Yeah, I'm sure that, they did. Uh, and so. <laughs> So the whole league is at kind of just in a standstill. So it's not that they've called off practice now. I understand right, they right. can practice, but they just can't put on full pads. So that is the situation there. We will get more from that as the day moves every on. Every day is, is every day is a new day, Steve. It really is. Other uh, sports news: If you're a golf fan, the first major of the season is at the halfway point, the PGA Championship out in San Francisco. There's about Ten guys within three shots of the lead. Could be some interesting uh, television watching uh, later today. Some some news prior to that. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau broke a driver. Ricky Fowler whiffed on a putt. That made he, uh, yes, that made him miss the cut. And Rory McIlroy picked up a whole bunch of new fans on a ruling because a reporter inadvertently stepped on his ball. Yeah. And when they went to, uh, they said he could place it there. And as he placed it, then the uh, officials said, that's good. The ball will be in place. And no, I didn't see that much of the ball. So he pushed it down further, gave himself a worse lie than I what know. he had. That's really something. Took a bogey on the hole. And paid for I it, wouldn't do that, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I'd set it up. You would have gotten the tee out of your pocket and teed it up. <laughs> Isn't that what that tee's for? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I was going to take care of a lot I fell on Saturday Sports Talk. We appreciate our guest, Josh Whitman, led us off. Jason Hegemeyer, Tom Ackerman, and we had probably 15 phone calls all said. We appreciate that as well. Thanks to Blake Landa and Ed Bond for helping us through it. Mr. Tate, we'll talk to you, I hope, uh, next weekend right here on News Talk 1400 WDWS Champaign-Urbana. This is Steve Kelly for the whole gang. Have a good weekend, everybody.